Welcome to the very first episode of the Bench to Boardroom podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Uh, my name is Cynthia Steele, and I started this podcast because I wanted to create a resource for uh, young faculty, graduate students, postdocs, anyone who is interested in making the transition from academics to industry. Uh, in my time as a medical affairs professional in industry, one of the biggest questions that I get asked is, how did you do it? How do I do it? And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to, again, provide this resource to people who might want to either explore their options, or if you know that a career in industry is for you, to provide you with some tangible resources and maybe some inspiration along the way that can encourage you to pursue the life and the career that you want. I am very excited to announce that my guest today is Dr. Alicia Case, who is a very dear friend of mine. We've known each other since our grad school days. Uh, these days, Alicia has spent over 10 years of her life in uh, the field of diagnostics, and she's currently a principal scientist at Zoetis. So without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Alicia Case. Alicia! <laughs> Alicia Case, welcome to the Vegetable Boardroom Podcast. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for um for asking me to come. Uh of course, I I saw uh your you reaching out about this. I was like, of course I have to do this. Uh I can't wait. So anyway, happy to be here. Thank you. So um this is our very first episode. You are helping me launch the Bench to Boardroom podcast, and I'm just so excited to have you here. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. True. This is true. So um, for those of us, so I guess our listeners who don't know you, obviously, um, introduce yourself. Okay. So my name's Alicia Case. I am a principal scientist at Zoetis. Um, I have been in the diagnostics industry, so I'm in the diagnostics department there. This is the world's largest animal health company. I've been in diagnostics for a little over 10 years now. Um, and before that, I had a postdoc position um, in an RNA lab that happened to be studying neuroscience therapeutics. And before that, I was in grad school studying neuroscience in an office shared with you, Cynthia. <laughs> so, uh, and before that, also, I worked in quality assurance. I was a, a contract employee for a few years and I knew within about a month, I was like, I, I gotta go to grad school. Like that was, that very much solidified that decision for me. Yeah. Okay. So for you, you always knew you wanted to go to industry. Grad school was just a path to get there. I did not always know why I wanted to go to industry. Okay. Um, again, it was, um, a little bit into my postdoc, mm -hmm. uh, where I, I don't know, I, I kind of started to feel like there are some people who are better at answering questions and some people who are better at asking questions. And I think I'm more of one of those people who's better at answering questions. And I was always drawn to the lab, always drawn to, um, experiments where I could get a result relatively quickly and uh so industry has been a great fit in that sense that instead of developing something that's proof of concept and waiting for uh you know um 
trials to go through. Uh, so in diagnostics, um, you know the ins and outs of an assay and you uh, get it right and then you test it and you launch it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've had a few different roles in industry. I Quality assurance, I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, R&D, uh, systems integration. And then I've had a few roles in on-market support where something is launched and your job is to troubleshoot, keep it on market, change any any changes to supply, evaluate them. Um, and so I've had a few different roles and it, I'm pretty happy here, so. But you were very good, I remember, at uh, diagnosing all of my PCR problems in the lab. Oh, that's kind of you. Yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, I did like PCR. that. I did like that space, that uh, that that tinkering, troubleshooting, instrument-based uh, go in the lab mm -hmm. um, with an open mind and figure out what it is. And so that is a skill that's been transferable as I was in, on market support, this, you know, it's root cause investigation. Um, but then also in R&D, uh, even though, of course, the goal of R&D is not to do nothing but root cause investigations is to get the product out. Right, um, right. So there's a, a, anyhow, it has helped in both though. So thanks. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I love how you say that you, there are people who are better at asking questions and there are people who are better at answering questions. I think that that's a really lovely way of thinking of it. So as a postdoc, uh, you know, a newly minted Dr. Alicia Case, and you just and you start to realize this about yourself. What what steps did you take then to oh. start applying? Because I think one one of the things that I think our, our listeners, at least the question that I get asked most often, and you probably do too, is how did you do it? Yeah. How did you stop toiling away at the bench and then move over to industry, especially? Yeah in a position like yours, because I think a lot of students are interested in, they like, they like what they're doing at the bench, but maybe they just don't want to write grants and they don't want to have students, but they like the tinkering, like you're saying. So how did you go about making that transition? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I used every resource available. Okay. And when it wasn't available, I tried to make it available. This is um, yes. So I was very fortunate, actually, in that I had a discussion with my postdoc mentor, um, Michelle Hastings, who is now a director of RNA therapeutics at University of Michigan. Oh, wonderful. We had the conversation where we agreed that I would be looking for a job. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a mutual decision. Um, or our mutual, it was a discussion that we were both agreed upon. Um very quickly in that discussion. And so that was right about the time that science careers developed the My IDP tool. You're familiar with this? No, what is that? Oh, it's great. It's a website, a web-based application okay. that has an aptitude test. Uh, what do you like about science? Uh, so some people will like protocol writing, some people like scientific writing, some people like different kinds of applied sciences. Um, some people will, it, it considers all of the possible science careers that are available to PhDs. Um, and my mentor, my postdoc mentor, the day or the day after it launched, she put everyone on her team 
in touch with this application because uh, she's always up to speed. Oh. And so, oh, that's great. Yeah. So it has an aptitude test and then it has resources available and then it has the ability to make an, a monthly individual development plan. That's the ID. ID. And then it sends you reminders whether you do stuff or not <laughs> every month do stuff for your career. Like don't put this on the back burner. Yeah. And so the aptitude test actually identified um, industry and it identified applied sciences for me. Uh, it, it looks at other things too. Um, like how strong um, like your publication history is to you, like other, other aspects other than just like what you, what you enjoy. Um, and so right around the time that that launched, the dean of our postdoc school wanted to launch a postdoctoral career development group. And so I became president of that group and I kind of used it as a way to funnel speakers, uh, books. I, I we made a little library of resources so that I could research options. Um, I rented books from my library when possible, when they were things like, um, I don't know, knock them dead resumes, knock them dead cover letters. Some of these things you can just get from any library or they'll be able to get it from like the nearest library uh, when I was in a career search. But first to identify what kinds of things I wanted, I used resources like that. Okay. So, is, yeah, is IDP still available? Yeah, my IDP is still available. And then there's other tools available to um, career plan and to try to identify um where you are, where you want to go, and then what's in the way so that you can develop ways to address those hurdles to grow yourself and to, to put the focus in your hands as opposed to, hey, I'm here. I've been here five years, promote me. You know, <laughs> like the discussions are a little more, um, it, 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 you find ways to grow and also serve the company that you're in. Mm -hmm. So um, my, the company that I'm in right now, they're it's driven by the people who are doing the IDPs, but they have um, IDP development discussions that are structured into the into the work year. So that sounds like something that somebody at any career level could benefit from, not just someone who is working to make their first entry point into industry. Wow, definitely, yeah, it's something. So this was uh, over ten years ago. Now it's something that I'm still working on actively I have little outlook reminders uh -huh. and my outlook calendar is public but I have little outlook reminders like finish this action and I'll write it in such a way that it's not immediately obvious to somebody's looking at my calendar wow, yeah that's wonderful yeah yeah uh this was over 10 years ago some of our listeners might be like library she checked out books <laughs> from a library yeah sure what what <laughs> go and find them on Amazon too or of course free resources online yeah definitely uh, we'll put some of those uh, resources in the show notes for for uh any of our listeners who might be interested in checking that out that's that's a great tactical piece of advice thank you thanks so um i guess um okay so i guess uh my next question would be you had to move right for this new position and uh you went back to your home state of michigan is that right did. Yes. Um, what was that? Yeah, so I go ahead. Now, what oh, was that decision like for for you and for your family? <laughs> Emotional. <laughs> um, okay. uh, no, it was great. I, this is this has been the best decision. Um, 
however, it wasn't immediately obvious. The So I wasn't actively looking. I was um, at my last company. I would, you know, I had my network there. I had like actual friends. And I, I can say that now because we've kept in touch in the, you know, the time since I left the company. Yeah. Um, and they visited me and I visited them. Uh, so it's, anyhow, so I had my, I had reasons to not, to not leave. They were giving me promotions. Um, they were making opportunities available for me to grow, um, that, you know, aren't even salary based. Yeah. So I wasn't looking, but I was contacted by a recruiter and they had a few openings. Uh, one was in the area that I lived before, which was in Chicago, mm-hmm. which is where we met, of course. uh another was out where the third was just 30 miles away from my hometown in southwest michigan and so i contacted them back i was just curious just wanting to know more because i hadn't considered it but i still have family here my wife still has family here Mm -hmm. uh in the area in michigan and so the first couple of conversations were just with um, a recruiter who was just giving me the details and figuring out if it could be feasible. Sure. Uh, at this point is when I started to talk to my spouse about moving and the initial response was, hell no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we started to write our pro-con list, our, our four-way um pro con list of course because it's with two different companies each has their pros and cons sure yeah and uh I started to interview and we had a lot of interviews for this position um I think I spoke with 10 or 12 people in the company and by the time I was done speaking to 10 or 12 people I felt like I was already part of this team Mm -hmm. um and so Right around interview seven or eight is when I started to, I I always knew it was possible. It was the, the hook was, um, this idea that we could leave the city, leave Chicago and live in a forest. And that's what got my wife listening. She's like, I'm, I'm listening. Tell me more. Uh, and so then I I can have, (laughs) yeah. Cause I wouldn't want to interview with a hiring manager and waste his time or her time. So that's what, that was the possibility that let me finally start to interview with them. And then finally around interview six or seven, I said, we've got to go check out this city. I haven't lived in that area for decades and I haven't really spent time in this city. And so we came here for a weekend. We really liked it. And um, anyhow, things just worked out. So it, it was a, it was a process. It was something that we did together. Uh, the pro-con list was written together. We sussed out different different things together. Um, anyhow, it, it came together at the end. Well, that's great. Now we're, it's a year and a half later, we're very happy with the decision. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's good. And um, you are married to one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, and- she's Yes, she's she's an incredible human being, and and it probably helped that um, she works remotely, correct? It well, that was yeah, that helped immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and I just want to add for for the people listening um, that you should know that Cynthia played viola at our wedding, and 
we walked down the aisle to Cynthia playing viola and it was one of the most wonderful things um back in 2015 so those are a lot of that was the year that it was legalized and a lot of people got married that year oh yes um and so that was that was great uh or the the following spring after I the think that was maybe a month before I ended up meeting my husband so like these things kind of all ended up working together because I think we did I think the next time we got together after your wedding um and then when I was asking you about married life I think I was like hey so um so I met somebody yeah <laughs> I remember yes yeah, we met. uh it's funny and I do actually want to emphasize that like Alicia and I are talking right now as two friends who would go to discount symphony concerts together because we could get $10 tickets to the Lyric Opera and the Chicago Symphony on certain nights and um, we try to find whatever uh, free food we could possibly get our hands on. And I mean, we we went through the struggle. <laughs> we went through the struggle together. And I, I want to tell our listeners uh, in a way that you, I guess you never know what kind of connections you're making with the people that you're friends with in, in graduate school as well. I mean, these are connections of friends that you'll have for life. And for her part, Alicia and her wife uh, signed my marriage license for oh, <laughs> me and my right. husband. Yes. Yeah, that kind of had a nice poetic yeah. end there. Nice little bow tie. Yeah. But, you know, it. but in that sense, also, we've been here for each other to encourage each other and tell each other to go for it with these new positions. And so, you know, I remember when you were applying for this job and you were a little nervous and I told them like you're you're Alicia freaking case they would be so lucky to have you you know and everyone all of you need a hype man or woman out there when you're applying for a job because if you're if you're nervous if you're feeling a little bit of that imposter syndrome call call a friend and just have them have them hype you up but it, it does help it really does it it has helped on so many levels I remember so many times I've called you up throughout the years mm-hmm. just to get your input on things. Or even when it came to my wife working remotely, how does this work for you? Because I, neither of us had gone through that experience mm-hmm. in the pandemic for various mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, so I remember even you gave advice on that, but it's not, it's, so it's, I mean, it's sustained me. Our friendship has sustained me, mm-hmm. but it's also, you have done some PCR technical troubleshooting for me throughout the years. Uh, when I was first getting started, when I was first getting momentum, mm-hmm. um, how does this baseline work? What is this black box of this algorithm here? Uh, <laughs> what knobs do you not want to um, change <laughs> to get the best kind of, the best quality results? Well, um, and we used to dream about uh, opening a cupcake bakery together in grad school, remember? Yes. yes. That was the plan B. Um, <laughs> this whole PhD thing didn't work out. We were just going to start making cupcakes. It's true. It's true. I think I made, I don't, <laughs> I think it'd be just about every science themed cake that you could have made. Like, I don't remember seeing one that wasn't a design that I had done some variation of. Yes. So anyhow. I mean, science really is baking at the and baking is science at its most fundamental level you put things together at the right ratios you incubate it at the right temperature for the right time and you know it, <laughs> something beautiful comes of it <laughs> um yes <laughs> yes you can optimize around your your baking and you can optimize around your science and, PCR, yes 
So now that you and Teresa are living so close to home um, and you have this, you know, this career that you're building, do you, you guys have time? Do you have time for fun? You know, now that you're in industry? Do you uh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, so I think one of the best pieces of advice I had was in grad school that you get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. um, that's held true for so many things. So yeah, I I think it depends on the company that you end up joining. Some companies have different focus on work-life balance and you can get a, a sense of cultures just by talking to people who work there, just by um, you know reading the reviews on Glassdoor, just by having the interview and trusting your instincts and asking good questions when you interview at a company. Um, so well, I'm very fortunate to work at a, a great company that has a, a great culture that values work-life balance. But even if I didn't, I would be making that work <laughs> somehow very quietly. Um, so, yeah. So I have a couple of questions about that. I guess uh, my first would be, what are those right questions? So, because you, you've done, obviously you've done plenty of interviews, but you've also interviewed applicants, right? Right. Okay. What, um, I guess, let's start from the uh, interviewee perspective. So what kind of questions do you ask to get a sense of what corporate culture is like? Um, for a company, not for a candidate. Yes. Sorry. So if you were applying for a job and, you know, you want to know, what's the, what's the corporate culture like? Is it, is it inclusive? Is this... Is this a place where I'm going to be answering emails at 11 o'clock on a Friday night? So, you know, I guess, how do you, yeah. how do you come up with? First off, you, if you want to answer emails at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, no one's going to stop you anywhere from sure. answering emails at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. Um, like if you, if you want that, you, I, I don't know anywhere where you couldn't have that if that's what you wanted. Sure. Um, but I think that you ask people what success looks like uh, and you can get a sense of what kind of metrics they're using for success, um, market share, behaviors, uh, <laughs> products, um, how they fare in the number of issues that they have after launch. Like you can ask the very, these very open-ended questions mm -hmm. and that can tell you volumes. Yeah. Um, like that. asking them what a successful candidate looks like mm -hmm. for this position yeah. tells you volumes. Um, I think that's it really doesn't have to be yeah. very pointed. Okay. It doesn't have to be, do you sleep at night? <laughs> uh, it, I, although I don't think, I think that's something else actually. That's, that's something other than what you asked about, but you, it doesn't have to be these very pointed questions. You can, you can tell a lot just by I, I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it because as scientists, that's something that we always have to think about, right? What does success look like? How will we define a successful conclusion to this experiment or a successful end to this project, you know? And so I, I love taking that and applying it to uh, a company as you're interviewing because I think if you make the mistake or not necessarily the mistake, but I think that if you ask, how's the culture 
you know, the people who are there are going to say, it's great. You know, and they kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, unless exactly. it's really, really, really bad. Yeah, exactly. So no, I, I love this idea of asking, you know, what does a successful candidate look like or how, what does success look like to you? And if they say, you know, we, we do whatever it takes or some something, whatever that might be a little bit triggering to you, I think is a, that's a really good metric to have. Right, right. There's So there's also that aspect of fit, uh, that something that might be the best possible job for person A is just not going to work out the same for person B, right? So absolutely. Yeah, there's a couple of trans translatable skills that we've talked about here between like research yeah. <laughs> and um and finding the your path for yourself so we talked about um <laughs> researching career options uh as, or or your your career growth as a as a project in and of itself and then there's also that tie-in too yeah true so now when you're interviewing candidates what do you look for so, and and i'm and I'm thinking of this in a way of if this is a person who is applying for their first industry job, what could they do to help themselves stand out? Um, well, it's going to be different for every hiring sure. manager. But in your industry, you know, so say yeah. somebody, somebody is applying, you know, someone finds out that they're, they love, you know, bench research and they're interested in, in solving problems, you know, then what can they do? Like, what what would be some suggestions that you would have for them? Like, how could they get started? Well, I think the best piece of advice is to know yourself oh. and to know what is going to keep you going through thick and thin. What? Uh, so, if you're applying for a job just because you want a a job, job, uh, it's going to come through, and um, you should find something that really is a a genuine fit for you something that actually really sparks what you're interested in as opposed to uh i want this salary <laughs> and i want to work in this location uh you know it's going to show um yeah. so sorry what was the what was the question again no this this is beautiful this is deep thoughts with alicia case like <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> no this is great um okay so uh, basically show up as your authentic self is what I'm hearing it, to your interview. Even when you're applying and looking at jobs and looking at their reviews on Glassdoor, mm -hmm. like be honest with yourself. <laughs> like, so, you know, you have to read a certain number of samples of reviews to really give a company a fair shake. But sure. as you're reading the reviews and you're just like, ah, <laughs> like that would <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> um, okay. Or if you are looking at a job posting and you're, thinking like, oh, this might fit for a certain salary range. Um, but it's the job itself doesn't really excite you. Keep, keep going until you find one that actually does really excite you. Okay. Um, yeah. But then, so as a hiring manager, I'm looking for that spark. Okay. But also there's, um, experience, um, perseverance through struggle points that are both technical and social and, um, and, and tricky on both of those levels. Uh, so okay. the ability to pursue it, overcome it and learn something and maintain your relationships okay. on the other end. 
um, so that you're not steamrolling people. <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't know. I think fun is underestimated. Yeah, um, for sure. So the importance of, of fun. So I'm yeah. looking for that a little bit, just somebody that I could spark. Would enjoy working with somebody that I'd enjoy, um, you know, the thick and thin with. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, no, I think that's really beautiful. And I think, um, how, I guess my, my question then, so actually I have a few, one question that I've been asked. So you just very eloquently talked about if you're reading a job description and it sparks something within you, but what if you don't fit all those qualifications? Do you apply? Oh. Yeah, I think there's some people just go for it. Uh -huh. Um, and some people are like, well, I'm only 95% qualified <laughs> and then they're second guessing themselves. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's certain traits that are associated with, with each of those patterns. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I'm of the mindset that it doesn't hurt to apply. It does take you time. Um, and to be successful, I, you know, there's, there are certain, uh, ways that you can tailor your resume to, to increase your odds of success. So it, that takes time too. Sure. Um, but yeah, okay. that I, I agree with the you. question was, what was that? Did no, I, I answer it? Yes. Um, okay. I, I agree with you because I've been asked, um, whether or not a person should apply if they don't fit all of those criteria. And I, and I think for me, one of the criteria that I always look at is, you know, how many years of experience in this or in this, or, you know, previous experience in this disease state, you know? So I, when I'm looking at job postings, I usually get hung up on that. And, um, cause a lot of the other ones are <laughs> ability with, Microsoft Word or some of these other sure. things, you know, or ability to communicate with, in, in my in my field, medical affairs, you know, can you communicate with key opinion leaders? Can you establish a network? You know, can you uh, create a strategy for, you know, medical launch of a product or something like that? Um, but usually when they hammer out specifics, you know, they want X number of years of experience and they want, um, uh, again, knowledge of a particular disease state, you know, oftentimes that kind of makes me shy away a little bit from a position, but uh, I've told people in the past, I mean, this, the worst thing that they can do is just not respond to you. And, and you're right, then you're just yeah. losing a little bit of your own time, you know, working on your cover letter, tailoring your resume to put some of those qualities first and foremost, yeah. but otherwise, I mean, why not? why not apply why not, why not call that that hype man or that hype woman to uh, get you psyched up and apply for that job anyway right yeah yeah for sure um i think it was the there's a book called the highly effective job search okay and it starts out just by defining the job search it's by nature rejection <laughs> once you're not rejected your <laughs> search is over <laughs> like it is rejection by definition uh and so I think you just got to steal yourself to yeah. that. And yeah. I, I, I agree with you that the worst they can do is just say nothing. Yeah. Sounds a lot like science, doesn't it? Sounds yeah, a lot like the sure. grant application process, doesn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> what did uh yeah failure is the norm I think I put that in a slide deck at one point with a whole list of some of my favorite comments from different grant applications that I had sent out for over the course of the previous two years <laughs> it's really depressing when you look at it all together but but you're absolutely right I mean if you're continuing to it, it's the case with anything right if you continue to put yourself out there um to look for whatever it is that's right for you in terms of career path or relationships or anything in general. I mean, uh, even starting a new fitness routine or anything like that, the more, you know, the more things you try, the more there's a chance that you're going to either really like it or not like it, or, you know, something's potentially going to go horribly wrong, but if you don't try it, I guess you never really find out. Yeah. On that note of, of depression though, yeah. it's, if someone's making it look easy, you're not spending enough time with them. <laughs> like it's, it, it takes that grit to keep going. Yes. Um, and as, does the, as you said, as does the field of science. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I recently was at a meeting and I was hosting a roundtable discussion for students who are interested in um, making the transition to industry. And one of the questions that I was asked, I thought was really good, was how can somebody translate some of their more soft skills that they've acquired mm -hmm. in grad school or their postdoc yeah. to no. industry? And so this is actually perfect. How do you how do you translate you know, years of chasing down the wrong hypothesis <laughs> into something that yeah. you can put in, in your resume that's going to catch a hiring manager's attention? Now, that one actually is easy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it's just read the description mm -hmm. and find nuggets that relate to what you're doing. Obviously, if you're a completely bad fit, it's not going to work. But uh, <laughs> there are, it's, you can tell a story a little bit more with a cover letter. Um, but you can find ways so, so the goal of your resume of your cover letter is to get an interview once you're in an interview it's very easy to tell these uh transferable skill stories sure. um and then so <laughs> the goal is just to read the job description um look up this position if you don't know what the position is uh you can research more about this position through my idp we talked about that um, there's just a lot of information available on the internet now to understand what's behind it, what they haven't written, what they've written down are just the most important things that the hiring manager is focusing on for this hire, but there will be other things that aren't written. And so just look for them and find the kernels that relate to your, your experiences. Um, for example, if you have, uh, experience as a corresponding author on a publication, and that involved a lot of uh, buy-in from the other authors, That's that can be translated into a cross-functional team. Uh, sometimes you, as a, a corresponding author, there's not a lot of interactions and they're all kind of like, yep, looks good. Uh, but there can be, you know, sure. discussions that you need to have to make sure that you're doing everything uh, in a way that people are aligned with that relates to project management in a way that might not be immediately obvious. No, I think that's very true. I mean, I think anyone who's tried to 
coordinate their advisor and four different committee members, plus maybe a couple of outsiders to try to either find a time to meet or try to find a consensus. Um, trying to find the consensus on a manuscript can be an absolutely Herculean effort. Uh, and I, I've seen it personally uh, in one of my current colleagues trying to be scientifically accurate, but also delicate enough that you're not stepping on anyone's toes and you're not getting anyone into, into trouble with maybe a different company that they also work with. It can be it can be a, a tightrope walk. So I, I think that's a great point to say, yes, I have managed you know cross-functional teams or I have managed to uh, get a consensus from a variety of, of different opinions. And so that that's an excellent soft skill to have if if any if anyone manages to, to get it in grad school or in postdoc. That's fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what else do you want? Uh, what what else would you like the listeners to know about in terms of your personal experience? Is there oh uh, do I have a story that's like um no, I think, I think we've hit on a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Know yourself, follow what is interesting to you. And, um, I think probably one of the better nuggets that I've learned is just that, um, I, I've never been one to focus on promotions I've never been one there there was one promotion where it was like a little bit like it was rubbing a little bit that I hadn't gotten a promotion just okay. because mostly because of the environment that I was in where everybody else was like why haven't you gotten a promotion and that just that was rough there was one time where I was focused on promotions but for the most part I've not been focused on promotions I've been focused on just doing well and um doing the best job that I could and growing my body of experiences so that I could just know more about different kinds of projects. And um, I feel like that's been a good strategy. I've been grateful that that the focus was on making a good, this sounds so basic, making a good product as opposed to, I want this promotion because I wanna grow for myself. Uh -huh. uh, so I don't know, I feel like my focus has always been learning, it's, not, it's gonna sound cheesy, but, but that's true. <laughs> that's been true for me. That's great. Um, as opposed to getting a raise, getting the, getting the next step. I actually took a demotion, um, in title to be at my current job. And I'm so glad I did because it's been an experience that I had, didn't have before. Um, so. Mm -hmm. So you're adding more tools to your tool belt, so to speak. Yeah, that's been the focus. Yeah. More tools to the tool belt. Thanks so, for naming that, Sam. No, because I mean, I, I remember when we would talk about getting a postdoc, you know, the question was always, you, know, you, you want to maybe stay in an area that you know a lot about, but you also need to add more tools to your tool belt. So you choose a lab that has a focus that maybe you hadn't considered before, or you apply your knowledge to a different disease state, for example, you know? And so I remember people always use that analogy. You just always want to add more tools to your tool belt. Um, I guess uh, as you're building this tool belt, where do you see, 
where do you see this culminating to? Have you have you thought about that? You know, where 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 will you be in in 30 years besides on a gorgeous lakefront home with Therese and a lot of books and all your cats? <laughs> um, you know, and I will be there too, because that sounds idyllic. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, it might be a forest at home. Okay. <laughs> so we have forests right now. Okay. I kind of like having forests as a bee. Um you know, since if you had asked me 10 years ago what my dream job would be, I would tell you this, this job that I'm in right now. Um, if, But looking ahead 10 years, I don't know about 30, um, but looking ahead 10 years, looking ahead 20 years um, and beyond, it really is more about the kind of things that I'm doing. Uh, so right now, I'm still a relatively new manager. Mm -hmm. And so I'm still close to the doing space mm -hmm. um, where I'm like, I get excited about analysis and being the first person to know something. And I'm starting to train my team to do the analysis so that I'm the second person to know something, you know? Um, so the things that excite me now are still close to that space of the person who's executing the experiment and executing the analysis. Um, I really just want to be the best leader that I can be. I really just want to make the best product that I can make. Mm -hmm. I really just want to have that pride in my work. Like, again, it's coming back to success as behaviors or success as um, less job titles and for me and more, well, what's your day look like? What's your week look like? Are you doing the things that really excite you to get out of bed in the morning? And I don't ever want to get away from that. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> that long is way to say, I don't know. No, I mean, I think that, I think, I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I think that's, I, I think that's a good place to, to close out. So okay. um, we will put a lot of these wonderful resources that you've talked about. We'll put them in the show notes so that our, our listeners can find them. But really, Dr. Lisa Case, thank you so much. That was just, that was absolutely beautiful. Thanks, Cynthia. Uh, this is fun. Um, <laughs> thanks for asking. And thanks for doing this. It's, um, it's, uh, thank, thanks for listening. Is there anything that you want to add? Because you've seen so much of my career. You're like, you're leaving out this story. Is there anything else that you, I think you're good. No, I think, I, I think we have it. Um, okay. Cool. This was, I mean, we can keep talking. I'm just going to turn off the recording. So that way, you know, okay. <laughs> we can kind of relax a little bit, but uh, yeah, sure. Thank you, Cynthia. This has been great. No, this was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on my first episode and sharing your story. This was, and all, and all that wonderful advice. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. That's great. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you to Alicia Case for joining me today on my very first episode of Bench to Boardroom. Thank you, dear listeners, so much for tuning in. I will make sure to put in the show notes uh, all of the resources that Alicia listed in that fantastic interview and hope it was helpful. Uh, please reach out to us if you have questions or suggestions of guests. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. See you next time.